Hey guys, how's it going tonight? Welcome to Deep Dive on Monday night, uh, the 27th of July. Hope you're doing good. Uh, just come on a little bit early just to warm up a little bit. I'm usually outside because the weather's been great. But um, it's crazy weather again, so um, I'm, I've jumped in side tonight. Um, hi, Dan. Hi, guys. Good to see you tonight. So the idea, welcome to Deep Dive. If you've not heard this before, um, basically what we do on Mondays is um, we do a little bit of a, uh, if you like, a deeper teaching, like a, a bit of a, uh, uh, a more forensic look at the message that we spoke about. Hey, Nay the message that we spoke about or last yesterday. So, um, and tonight, um, I've got a microphone because we're going to record it and we're going to start recording these and put them out on podcasts over the next, uh, few weeks with the help of our good friend, Dave Chatsiliadis, who is, um, helping us in an amazing way with all kinds of great stuff to do with technical support film video and audio stuff so um just to let you know that tonight we're going to be looking at uh, matthew chapter 25 we looked at the uh what some scriptures talk about the parable or the story of the talents it's actually a, a story hey steph it's actually a story about investment and um so i'm just gonna kind of recap on what we spoke about yesterday and uh, there's a couple of questions that have come in. And if you would like to ask a question, um, then by all means, ask a question, drop it in the feed. As And, and I'll, we'll, as we go, I'll try and answer them as much as possible. But I hope, my hope and my um, prayer for you guys tonight is that you would be more confident and more assured of God's desire to bless you and to increase your influence for the sake of his kingdom. Some of us have grown up in church environments where that has not been um, communicated. Sometimes it, what happens in churches is that there can be a very, we become, we think that the, the, the will of God is very narrow and it's very small and that we're all very stupid and that we are all um, going to miss it. Okay, and although we, you know, the will of God at times is tricky to discern, we can have confidence that if we are seeking after God, if we're trying to see, you know, seek God's best, if we are trying to uh, do what God's asked us to the best of our ability, that He has made an allowances and compensates for our humanity and our mistakes, and so. Um, it sometimes it sounds like, oh, I'm such a worm. I'm such a like um, God wouldn't want to use me. Sounds actually very um, humble, but it's actually a form of pride. It's a self righteousness. Um, when we are overly concerned about our own ability or inability, what happens is we take our eyes off the infinite God who is able to do all things. Um, and able to do more than we can ask, think, or imagine. And so the walk of faith for some of us, I think for most of us, isn't that, um, it, it is is more to do with that God would want to work in us and through us to do extraordinary things. I think that that is the faith that we need to reach for. It's not that um, we're going to get too big for our boots and uh, we're all, going to be vain and we're all going to be up ourselves i don't think that m that is most people's problem i actually think most people's problem is that they are struggling to imagine that god would um even want to interact with them in the first place and so my hope and my prayer tonight is this is that you wouldn't you would even in these strange days that we're living in very testing very difficult very very odd very unusual that we were we will we will have a renewed sense that God has got works planned in advance for us to do that we can go confidently and hopefully and with joy and with peace in our hearts towards the future. We don't deny the things that we're facing. We don't um, pretend that everything's perfect, 
but we put our faith in the God who holds the future. We put our faith in the God who, who, in whom we trust, and we don't look to our own competency or self-righteousness to make, try and make that happen. Hey, Chris, um, Chris Saburn's on, and um, I might get you to jump in on a few of these points, mate. That'd be brilliant. Um, but listen, so we'll get, we'll jump into Matthew chapter twenty-five, and the parable is, as I said yesterday. Jesus tells the story of how to build a life we can be proud of. He tells the story of a man who goes away on a long journey and asks his three employees to invest money for him while he's away. And he gives each employee a different uh, value of money. Um, and two invest the money wisely and double their return. And the one does not. He is fearful and he buries it. And uh, he wastes the opportunity and the master comes back from his trip and is raging at that guy. Um, and here's what, what the parable finishes in it. We'll read the parable in conclusion. It's quite a lengthy one, but um, and, and so you can read it in your own time. But um, Matthew 25, this is a rowdy ending to a parable. I don't know if you've ever read the Bible and you wish there was a, a happier ending or you wish there was a different ending than what you just read. Well, this is one of those parables. Uh, verse 26, but you wicked and lazy servant, if you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gather crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered to take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. So let me read that again, because this is really where I want to talk about. To use to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And I explained, like, it sounds like, it sounds like, oh no, if I don't do something with my life, if I don't, like, know exactly what God's called me to do and like smash it, then I'm going to go to hell. That's if you read it literally, that's often how it's been translated. And I, I, I've avoided this passage of scripture because that's the interpretation that I've been given over the years. And it's not helpful and it's not healthy. When Jesus uses parables, he, he says something is like something. So there are similarities, but then there is always a time where the parable or the metaphor kind of breaks down. It's like the shrewd thief. What is Jesus saying? That it's all right to be snide. He's not saying it's all right to be a thief. He's not saying it's all right to steal. He's not saying it's good to steal or, or be a thief at all. He's What is he saying? He's saying that shrewdness or being canny or being, um, yeah, clever is a good thing. That's what he's rewarding. He's not saying that thievery is good right so sometimes what we do is we read it in a western mindset or we read it from our own perspective and we mishandle the parables of jesus because we don't understand the context within which they were given so so i wanted to prove this point because um some of us are afraid of god and so we're afraid to do something for god so there's a couple of things that can happen we think that god is going to punish us um or send us to hell if we are saved. Yeah, thievery is a good word. Yeah, larceny is another good word. It means the same thing. We think that when we are, um, that we're saved by grace, but that we're saved, Scripture teaches us, I'll, I'll get into it with you, that we are saved for good works. Ephesians says that God has planned in advance for us to do. So there's a, there's a destiny, there's something ahead of us, there's purpose. But what can happen sometimes is we get so tied up in what is my purpose? What is the thing I'm supposed to do? What is the actual job? What is the actual, you know, it gets very, very minutiae and forensic that we get overwhelmed by a sense of missing it. And we become sin conscious and we become opportunity, like as if we're going to miss an opportunity. And, and so what, what happens is we move away from a lifestyle of grace and being empowered by the love and the grace of God into a, into a lifestyle that's, that becomes works-based. Like instead of relying on the grace of God and the Spirit of God to empower me and equip me to do what he's asked me to do, I'm now so afraid of getting it wrong 
that I t that I stop living in that grace and that power of the Holy Spirit, and I start living fearful. And when I live fearful, I don't become fruitful in any way. And so um, what happens is we we we, be we become anxious. We begin locked up. We start to do things that are against what God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Am I supposed, exactly right, Chris, am I supposed to have cornflakes or crunching at foot cornflakes? Holy Spirit, tell me what kind of cornflakes I'm supposed to have because we become so nervous and so fearful, right? We don't become grace-empowered and love-empowered, um, and so we're afraid of getting things wrong. And it's a really big problem when 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 um, God is... is um, when we don't understand and our eschatology or what we believe about the end times, if we believe that um, that we, you know, God is going to punish us for um, for not doing it right all the time, then we're we're going to be we're going to we're going to shrink back. We're not going to live fully uh, relaxed and in in loving relationship with God because we're going to be afraid. We're going to be afraid of God, and there is a healthy respect and awe and fear. But listen, we. I think we're we're more of us are afraid of getting it wrong than we are confident that God is with us, right? Am I right? So there's a couple of scriptures that I wanted to just um, elevate uh, or teach this a little bit stronger with you tonight, and they're both in Corinthians, and one's in Corinthians chapter three, very early on. And so, those of us who have trusted Christ, Scripture teaches that the judgment that we would receive at the end of time is now no longer about life and death because scripture teaches us that the lord has laid the iniquity of all of us or the sin of all of us on jesus christ and so the judgment has been laid on jesus as a sacrifice so our eternal destination has been has been settled if you like but what we will be judged on, and because there is a judgment that Christians will go through, and the judgment will not be to do with whether we go to heaven or hell, because that has been settled by our faith and our receiving uh, Jesus Christ. What will be a, we will have to give account for is what we did with the grace of God that he gave us. Now, that is not a heaven or hell issue, but it has got a reward system to it. And you'll see that, it, and this can feel really unfair, blah, blah, blah. But listen, God is a good father, and and he rewards people who do what he asks, like he does. It's all through scripture. Uh, there is a healthy reward system um, whereby, and it's not by works, it's by grace, and it's by faith. But it's from a place of um, there is a reward system. There is an honor system within the kingdom. So 1 Corinthians chapter 3, um, I wanted to clear this up because some people get really afraid of, of, um, of you know, if I work in a supermarket, I'm not as holy as somebody who preaches the gospel on stage. And so what happens is we start to feel like second class, third class, lower class Christians, whereas that's not what this that that's not what the the purpose of God for your life is much bigger than whatever you do for a job. But anyway, here's the thing about um we will all give account, okay? So one Corinthians chapter three. Anyone who builds on the foundation that I've laid, which is what Paul's saying, may use a variety of, of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. It's great. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved but like somebody barely escaping through a wall of flames. That's what's going to happen to Christians who do squat all with what they've been given, right? If you coast, if you do nothing, if you don't follow after Jesus, there's a there's a penalty for it, not in an eternal way, but there's a penalty for in, in terms of your salvation. But there is a penalty to it to do with your reward. Your reward is at stake based on whether or not you follow Jesus and do what he asks you to do. So um, the builder will be saved, but like somebody barely escaping. Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God, and that the spirit of God lives in you? 
God will destroy anyone who destroys this temple. So for God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Listen, before we get distracted by supermarket conversations, um, the point of it is, is we can be so obsessed by trying not to do something wrong that we forget to do sometimes the things that he's already asked us to do. And um, in the parable of this story, there's a few things that we lifted out that, that, that I wanted to just come on and, and share with you and then jump on and, and take any questions. But what we learn from this passage is that God has given us a talent. He has made an investment and an entrustment into each one of us. And you can liken it to a... Um, a natural gift and an ability, but it, is, it does preach that way. But it also preaches there's an eternal investment in you and I if we follow Jesus. There's a deposit of grace. There's the seed, the incorruptible seed of Christ in us, says one translation, which means that there, there is an expectation on that seed to multiply, to reproduce, and to be planted in healthy soil so that that seed can reproduce. So a, a, a normal, healthy Christian life should be reproducing. A normal, healthy Christian life will bring a return on the investment of grace. Right? Now, in the scriptures, in this passage, in Matthew chapter 25, it says, you know, he gave one person five and one person two, one person, one, according to their ability. Like God already knows what you and I are capable of. And so he's not asking us to do things that are beyond his and our co-laboring ability. But he is asking us to crack on. And the, the powerful, a powerful dynamic that's at work when we crack on and do the things that God's asked us to do is that there's there's his element is so supernatural and so incredible that the return on the investment is always going to be greater than we can possibly imagine. That's how you know, I think, that God is involved, is when you start doing things and there's a favor, there's a blessing, there's opportunity. There's so many things that begin to overtake you. You think, how is this happening? All I did was X, Y, Z. That's the economy of the kingdom. And so uh, God, everyone has a talent and every one of us have an opportunity. Like God has given us an opportunity. Why? Because we've received salvation. So now we have an opportunity. Now, as Paul says, we have to work out our salvation. We have to continue to work out our salvation. So we are saved by grace, but we are also continually saved. Salvation's got to work over and it keeps working. You hopefully know that about yourself, is that there's some things you used to do you don't do anymore. Or there's some things you used to think that you don't think anymore. Or some stuff you used to behave that you don't do anymore. That's the progressive work of salvation in our life, right? And that's a beautiful thing. That's part of the entrustment that God has, has given through his son, Jesus Christ. Everyone has a talent. Everyone has an opportunity. And God will bless what we invest. And um, some people are like, yeah, but I can't. I know I'm called to preach or I know I'm supposed to be a missionary or I know I'm supposed to be in business or I feel like excited about this opportunity, but I can't get to it. I can't see it. So for many people, you know, preaching looks like whatever their favorite preacher is doing on YouTube. And if it doesn't look like that, then it must not be God. God already has a Stephen Furtick or a T.D. Jakes or whoever your favorite preacher is, <laughs> right? <laughs> he doesn't need another one. He needs, and he doesn't He doesn't just need that replicated. He, ne he needs you and I to step into the fullness of all that he's asked us to do, to be obedient on the little things, Thanks, Chris. Good to see you, bro. Um, to 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 be obedient in the small things and then let him escalate it. So, uh, yeah, I can't speak on a massive stage. Yeah, but you got a phone. <laughs> you got a phone, right? What do you want? Like, 
honestly, the amount of opportunities for us to share our faith right now is just insane. It's just amazing. I have had to really, really have a word with myself about being explicit about sharing the gospel. I went on, I did it. I was really nervous on Sunday. I just did the most direct thing. I'm learning to be much more direct in my sharing of faith because why? Because there's an entrustment on me, man. Because I can't be like shady or sneaky about it. I've got to be direct. Why? Because people need Jesus and I have to I have to allow the spirit of God to rise up in me to be faithful with the opportunities that I've been given today. Look, I was expecting to be a hotel in, in a hotel every Sunday, speaking to a room full of people. At the minute, we've got 22 people on Instagram. Here's the thing. I, this is a beautiful opportunity and I have had to learn and I am having to learn that every, every day is an opportunity to share what and, and to step into what God's gifted me to do. Um, and there were times like we shared, I shared yesterday about my music teacher who said, like, we're not interested. Don't write songs. All the best songs in the world have already been written. There a very like prominent guy you, you would probably know, um, told me not to preach. So don't do it. Um, you're not gifted at it. Um, you're probably a sharer. Um, and you just need to, I know what you'll do. You'll try harder. So I don't want, I, I want you to forget about it is basically what he said. And I really trusted this person. So for a long time, I did. I buried it because I respected this person's word more than I respected the, what I knew God was speaking to me about. And so I became so bothered about pleasing people and what it looked like to other people that I became fearful and shrunk back. Now, I will have to give account for that. Right? I will. I know that I know that I have done my best to change that, and I know that God is gracious, and I know that God is good, and I know that God is faithful. Right, so I'm now not afraid because now I know what intimidation feels like. Now I know what discouragement feels like. Now I know what unhelpful people in authority feel like, and I'm not going. To, in the words of the Who, I won't get fooled again. Why? Because. I have to do life by the Spirit. I have to be led by the power of the Holy Spirit, by by His leading, by the Word of God, and by all that He says. And I want to say the same to you. You are going to struggle with voices of discouragement, with people in authority who you thought they were for you, or you expected more from them and they let you down. Please do not hold it against them because it's not their responsibility to make sure that you fulfill the gift of God in your life. There is literally nobody who can stop the call of God in your life except you. And our enemy knows that. He will try to manipulate, shut you down, intimidate you. He will try to throw all kinds of things at you. You can go through scripture. You can find out what that is. There's all kinds of evil schemes of their enemy. But he works sometimes through people who are close to us who frankly should know better. But we have to get so strong in our own personal faith that that pandemic or not, we're going to do all that God said we're going to do. Um, I worked through a lot of insecurities over the years. And I'll tell you the story. So I'll tell you how I came out of it. So I had a very good friend of mine, Anne Crane. Her and Owen are now in Belfast. Um, and Owen and Anne and Claire were due to teach a course called Freedom in Christ course. <laughs> you bet, Chris, man. God's all over you, bro. Um, and and Anne could not teach the course. She was moving to Belfast, and she said to me, Matt, you're going to have to teach it. And I said, I can't, and I was shaking. And the course is written down over 11 weeks. Like, you know what I mean? It's, I literally did have to read from the book. But I was so terrified of what this person thought about me that I really respected. Now, that person wasn't even in leadership anymore, but I still could hear their voice. You know what I'm talking about, because probably most of you, if not all of you, have had a discouraging voice in your life that's just, just used by the enemy. And, um, and so I had a choice to make. I make the most of this opportunity. Honestly, I was bricking it. And it became 
a sacrificial thing for us to do. Me and Claire did the Freedom in Christ course some like six or seven times and um, six or 700 people went through it. It was just amazing. And when I look back on it now, I can see why the enemy w would want to intimidate me and Claire out of uh, doing something like that because of what was on the other side for those 600 people. And um, your enemy has seen people like you before. <laughs> He's been watching humanity for generations. I believe he recognizes gifting and anointing and he recognizes um, purpose and he hates it. And so what he does is he, uh, he, he comes against you before you even know why he's coming against you. He's coming against you. You don't even understand why. I haven't even done anything yet. You go through scripture. Our enemy wants to abort something before it happens because once it's happening, he can't stop it. And I am so glad I did it and I ain't going back. I can't back down no more. As I've seen too many times, I've seen it too many times. I'm seeing and getting emotional seeing all these names coming up on screen who've done the same thing. And I know you guys have. So each of us has an opportunity. God will bless what we invest. God will not bless our fearful behavior. Listen, it doesn't mean that he doesn't love you when you're afraid. It just means he, he can't bless fearful behavior because he, it's not in his nature. It, fear is, is not from God. And so he's not going to bless things that are fearful, but he is going to bless things that are in faith. And, and that can sound a bit tricky, but listen to me. It doesn't mean he doesn't love you. But it doesn't mean that he wants you to stay in fear either. It means that his love, his perfect love, says in 2 John, drives out all fear. So the more that we get to know our loving Heavenly Father, the more that we get into his presence, the more we get into his word, we'll find that the faith, our faith will rise because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The more that we get full of that stuff, the fear shrinks. And we're able to, to step forward into all that God has called us to do. And I'm not talking about like mega opportunities. I'm just talking about things like courage every day, self-control, gentleness. These are the things that are the purpose of God. We, we imagine it's going to end in some glorious crescendo, either a corner office or whatever it is, your fantasy. That's not the, that's not how it works. The purpose of God is for us to become increasingly more like Christ, more Christ-like. more Christ-like we are, the more that he can trust us with authority and um, influence, which is ultimately what the kingdom of God needs to advance. Um, God won't bless our fearful behavior, but God will give us more if we are faithful with what we have. It's, it's, you probably heard it a ton of times. Um, but we need people and there's a screen full of them. And I want you to start telling stories to the people around about you of the faithfulness of God, how God's faithfulness met your faithfulness. Faithfulness is a massive deal in the kingdom. It's not a big deal in the world that we live in. It is such a big deal in the kingdom. Sticking at it, perseverance, endurance, those are fruits of the spirit. Those are things that, that, that we're supposed to cry out for. <laughs> give me the keys to give to others. Ah, oh, bro, I'll receive that. That's the second word I've had about keys, actually, Chris. Thanks for that, mate. That is the second, that is the second word I've had about keys. So, God wants to bless you and he wants you to give you more than you um, than you currently have. And he is going to give you test. I didn't get into it last night because we didn't have time and that's okay. We ain't going anywhere. I hope. But listen, there's the, um, there's a test in scripture. You'll see it in each of the, um, lives of the heroes of God, but you'll see that they, they get, um, called out. They get identified. They get recognized for something on their life. And that can be a really, um, you, you might have had that yourself where somebody, well, Chris has just done it now. So, Chris is just, Chris Saban there. I've got a picture of you for keys, right? It's okay. So Chris has recognized something in my life, right? So, okay, Chris, thanks for that. Here's what I'm going to do with that now. I don't try and make anything happen with that. I log that. I write that down. 
And now I am in, I will be in a waiting season, in a season of testing. Then I'll, then there'll be a time where that word or that gift of God in my life starts to operate. So if you watch throughout scripture, you'll see heroes get called up. Then there's a faithfulness test and then there's a promotion. So amazing story about David. David gets identified as being a 10 times better leader than Saul is. Saul is gets all evil and nasty with him, tries to kill him. Puts, David has opportunity to kill him, but doesn't do it. Even slices a bit of his coat off because he's um, he wants to show him that he's he wants to justify himself and say, look, I'm not trying to kill you. But then he, he says, no, I'm going to trust in God. And God gets his way with David and elevates him to king, even though Saul tries to kill him. So you don't have the only person you need to worry whose opinion you need to worry about is God's opinion. I'm telling you now, I have been personally the back of the queue so many times for so many things. I've been the most unlikely guy. I am the most unlikely person. Like, and I have learned over the years, I'm a bit older now, so I don't sweat it. If nobody sees a potential in me, I don't even sweat it anymore in the same way because I've seen God promote me to places that he needs me to be like that. Like like he does with Joseph. Two, day, two days before Joseph is in the palace being a prime minister, he's in prison. God can get you anywhere he needs you to be from wherever you are right now. So wherever you are, are right now has a lesson to teach you. There's a purpose behind where you're at right now. So my question to you would always be, <clears throat> what is God trying to teach you where you are right now? Because if you look too far into the future and you don't invest in today, what you can do is you can potentially squander some opportunities and some learning and some character building things that need to take place in your life today that will serve you in good stead in the future. I told the story um, <clears throat> a few weeks back about um, when I was um, working on working in a bus manufacturer. I, I was teaching people. I was learning to teach people. I, I was, how do I even say this? What I was doing is really complicated. I was becoming a minibus driver trainer. I had zero interest in being one, but it was promotion. It was a little bit more money and it got me in the realm of teaching people. Right? It got me in the realm of teaching. I was learning how to teach. I was being taught how to teach. Right? So which is useful. So I'm like, well, that's the most useful thing I can find right now. I'm going to do it. It doesn't look like what I feel like God's called me to do, but it's nearer than sellotaping uh, cardboard boxes in the resources office. That's a step closer. <laughs> and so when I came on staff at Life Church, they asked me to look after the bus ministry. <laughs> uh, they didn't know I'd just done a job looking after, no, looking after the legalities of bus driving. Was it my gift? No. Was it my calling? No, but it got me closer to the thing that God ultimately had for my life. And if I'd have squandered, if I'd have done two things, if I'd have not taken the opportunity when it was offered to me because I was so comfortable where I was at, I would have missed out. But also if I'd have become so um, full of the future that I was no not investing in today, I would not have built up the skill base that I needed to take the opportunity when it came. Does that make sense? Felt like a long sentence. So it's really important, like this guy, that we invest in the thing that God's called us to do today with the hope and the assurance that God is going to bless what we invest for him and that he's going to reward us. Now, how he rewards us is his own business, but it will be a blessing to you the way he rewards you. Some people are like, ah, I don't want anything for it. Listen, God doesn't, God will reward you. And sometimes what the reward will do to you is it will expose your own um, vulnerability. So it, um, for me, it was 
I got um I wrote a song. It was picked up by um an American band. It spent 13 uh it was a Christian song. Um spent 13 weeks on the number one of a billboard in America. And I did not like what happened afterwards because the blessings that came off the back of that um caused me to recognize man, I need God as much in the blessing as I need him in the tough times. In fact, I think the blessing showed more of the condition of my heart to learn to receive from God. I'd been so used to scrapping that when the blessing came, I wasn't prepared for it. And I want to say to some of you that the blessing is on its way. And I'm not, I don't want to sound like one of those crazy preachers, you know, I'm not trying to be fake. This is the way the economy of God works. There is a blessing. You can be sure of it. Work on your character now so that you're able to receive it because when blessing comes, it's a different kind of pressure than no blessing. So some of us are praying for husbands and wives. They're a blessing. Scripture tells us that. But they also require us to change in order to receive a husband and wife in our life, right? <laughs> right? Some of us are praying for greater jobs, more finances. Some of us are praying for significant things like business mergers or we're praying for opportunities to do more and be more. Yeah, okay. Assume that God is going to take care of that and now today build a life that's ready for what God wants to do next in your life. So I had to get used to hanging out with really rich people. And I learned I was really intimidated by really rich people. <laughs> Didn't know I was until I stepped into it. But they made me feel nervous. They made me feel like I wasn't good enough. Isn't that funny? And God had to remind me, the rich people never got you here, Matt. I got you here. Stand up tall. Stand up straight. You're, you're, my, you're my son. I'm proud of you. You've got as much right to be here as anybody else because we're all here by grace. Does that make sense? But I want to, I want to, my goal, my prayer is that more people get there because it's, when you are blessed, it's like, it's easier for you to encourage people from a place of blessing and that people can see, physically see the blessing of God in your life. You have a greater opportunity to speak into other people's life. We believe has opened doors for me to teach. We believe has opened doors for me to travel. We believe has opened doors for me to um, increase the investment in the gift and the call of God in my life. Does that make sense? God wants to use the thing to bless you in order to increase your influence, in order to increase your um, his kingdom and his advance. So um, it doesn't stop. It's like a cycle. It's like a cycle. And God's so good to us, he will not put us in situations that we cannot handle. And if we flunk the test, if we get stuff wrong, he's a loving father, he restores us. Um, and, but he asks us to partake and get involved. So I hope that was helpful. I'm just going to answer a couple of questions then. You guys got any questions? Um, I, I think something might have happened here. I don't know what's going on. I don't even know what I'm doing with this stuff. Oh, there's loads there. Ah, oh, brilliant. Oh, yeah, no mass yet. Cheers. Yeah, sorry, guys. I, I, something happened. Um, scrolling through. So there's a question. What about a message to older people somebody uh, put in? And um, I I genuinely, there's, there's no age uh, definition on the kingdom of God. Um, I will be, if I continue in this cycle of God's favour and God's blessing, and there will be a, a, a calling up period, like when we, start, when we were going to plant the church, before we left our last church and on the way to planting, it was insane. The amount of people who'd stop us and pray for us and would get a word of encouragement for us about doing something new. In our old church, the guy on the door who I hardly spoke to said, hey, Matt, I was thinking about you this week. I don't feel like you're going to be with us too much longer. And I was like, flipping it. I feel the same, but I don't know what to do. 
Um, I don't think it's an age-related thing. I think, I think we say yes to whatever God wants us to do. We're faithful with what he's asked put in our hands to do, whether it be responsibility, um, whether it be um, influence, opportunity, whether it be uh, saying sorry for something we've done wrong, whether it be getting the help we need to go to the next level. Um, and then the same cycle works, whatever age you are. The blessing will look different. I'm sure of that because I, th- I believe God will bless you differently when you're in your teens than he will in your 70s and 80s. But we need to see fruitful generations. I need to see, I'm 45, I need to know what 55-year-old faithful people look like. I need to know what it looks like at 65 because the God, God's the God of generations. And one of the attacks of the enemy is to try and separate those generations so that the blessing of the 65-year-old doesn't flow down throughout that family of God. And it is the will of God that we all learn generationally and we are all blessed generationally by each other. Um, so if you are 70, 80, 90, you can still, um, you still have an entrustment. You still have opportunity. You still have stuff you can do. You can still know that God's for you. you he still won't bless your fearful behavior. He will bless whatever you invest and he will bless you with more opportunity if you are faithful with what he gives you. And he'll speak to you personally about what that looks like. And there was another question here, which is a banger. Uh, what does purpose look like in this space between? What does purpose look like in this space between is a super question. Ah, we'll talk about prophecy in a sec. We should probably do a whole night on prophecy. Um, what does purpose look like in this space between? So, um. Oftentimes, we'll have a sense of something that God wants us to do. And like I said, there'll be that call out moment where we feel like, oh, this is it. I'm clear. And then quite often, there'll be a a long period of time where it looks like, and this is frequent in scripture, where it looks like it's moving in the opposite direction. And oftentimes, what we can do is misinterpret that time as a derailment. So I'll give you some scriptural examples. Why did Jesus need to be a carpenter for 18 years? And yet that is in the purpose of God. We don't know why. We don't know what was achieved while he was learning to to be a carpenter and probably a stonemason as well is the way that that word would be translated. So he was a builder. He probably made coffins for people that he could heal. He probably made crutches for people that he could heal. Imagine that. And yet it wasn't his time. And he was so, he so knew the purpose of God. He was so entrusting to the timings of things to his father that he didn't rush it. He didn't force it. And scripture just says, basically explains 18 years in one phrase, which is this. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favour with God and with men. And I think for many of us, the gap between is so that we can grow in wisdom and stature and favour with God and with men. There's some things that we, that God has for us. And if he told us the fullness of of what he has for us, we would run in the opposite direction. And then there's some of us who may be a bit too full of ourselves um, (laughs) that we would, yeah, give it to me now, like the prodigal son, yeah, give it to me now. And the reality is it will break you if you shortcut or attempt to shortcut what God needs to do in timing. It will break you. Um, I was a worship pastor at Live Church for a while. And, um, (laughs) man, and Dave chats with the artist. Dave chat music is on, and um, who else is on? Uh, Naomi Kunis will testify. You would get new people who would come in, and they would be ready for the stage. And we would all brace ourselves for what was about to happen as this person took the stage for the first time. Invariably, whenever you lead worship in a place of influence, you... how can I put this? And I mean this in the nicest way possible and the holiest way possible. 
it will break you. It will break you. So people see people leading worship on stage, especially, I mean, in the church, in live church, I would know most of my friends on stage and they would not know the personal sacrifices and the character adjustments and the sleepless nights it took for them to be able to maintain the position that God had asked them to take. And so people say, isn't it amazing leading worship? I'm like, of course it is amazing. But you can't. But you, we used to say to these guys 18, it's like, whatever is in you, the stage will magnify. So if God is trying to, <laughs> Dave knows. Dave's got a great story of when we auditioned and um, his capacity grew to such an extent and um, met his wife in church, like a lot of us do. There's favour, but there's a cost. And um, I don't need to be afraid of the cost or you to be willing to pay the cost, right? But at the same time, there's a blessing on the other side. And so it continues. Why? Because God has got more for you than you can possibly imagine. And he wants to save people and he wants to help people. He wants to populate heaven. He wants to see people in his kingdom forever and ever. And so it requires each of us to submit the gifts and the talents that he's given us and crack on and do it. But it's gone cost. Mate, I've been on the stage and I've magnified it. Chris, you'll know it. You guys will know that you've taken the stage. It's embarrassing when you look back at yourself and you look at yourself and you think, I was so up my own backside. And then you get around people like we were around for a while and they just got a, a way of, of, hum, of, of bringing you back down to earth. You know, I was so like Naomi said, I was so nervous singing with certain people and going to the toilet and cry and cry and cry. And and I think this is awful. This can't be the will of God. And it was like, yeah, it is. <laughs> this is harsh. And then what we learned to do, those of us, is just to be really relaxed. And people would say, you just look like you're having fun. It was like we're choosing to to do it joyfully because there's a there's a cost to it. So we might as well enjoy it while we pay the price. Do you know what I mean? And it, yeah. So it was like something would flip them in. I started saying, yeah. Well, we could get into the anointing, man. We could get into what the anointing does. Man, I love that stuff. So purpose, the purpose, don't rush the process. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that God's not going to follow through. It doesn't mean that God's not going to do what he said he's going to do. He can get you anywhere and easy to be from anywhere. And I've seen that in my own life so many, so many times. But here's the thing. If God's called you to sing, are you taking lessons? Are you studying singers? Are you investing in the thing that God's gifted you to do? Do you know what I mean? Because when you get there, you want to be prepared. Sometimes we're not sure God's going to follow through. So we don't really invest in ourselves. The only time I think I really heard God speak was when he said, I don't need a rubbish Tim Hughes. I already have a good one. I need you to be you. Oh, Chris, that's amazing. <laughs> Same size gold. Oh, mate. <laughs> and and we'll, we love you for it, mate. Thanks for being you and not a rubbish Tim Hughes. Amen. So, um, practically, if you whatever you're doing right now, don't stop doing it. Just keep doing and keep praying and keep seeking God. Keep doing this genuinely. Like, I'm married to a very practical um, potter. She's a Claire is a potter by trade, and she has a work ethic that they do, they, when I when I first started dating her, I'd go and see her. And she'd be planishing a metal um, bowl, which is basically tapping it into shape. And I'd go and see her in the morning about half nine. She'd have got in at eight o'clock. Now I'd come and see her at five and she's hitting the same thing. And I'd say, what, what have you done all day? And she'd say, I've been planishing this bowl. I said, yeah, what else have you been doing? She's like, nothing. I've just been planishing this bowl. 
And she would do it five days a week until he was ready. And I said to her, what else do you do? She said, no, this, this is my degree, planishing, making things. I'm like, well, what else do you study? This. It was like an old school samurai sword maker or something. It was like the Northern version of that. And I was like, she says, yeah, but I'm learning these skills, honing these things, doing it over and over again. Some of us are in supermarkets right now because we're frankly rude and God needs to teach us to be kind to people we don't like, right? Right? Some of us haven't got promoted yet in finance because we're not very good with the money we've got. And so God's just holding us. Doesn't mean we're not going to get there. It means he's trying to coach us. Scripture teaches us that God disciplines those whom he loves. And that we shouldn't despise it, even though it's painful. It's a, it's a sign of his love for us. Like he wants to bless you. Like it's not, it's not like he's got favorites. I, I, I'm, I go through it. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I am not, I am being, I am in the disciplining process at all times. I am having to humble myself at all times at the minute. Dave spent four years working at Starbucks, taught me loads. I remember going down to see you, Dave. Taught you loads. I remember I, was, I worked in spot welding, worked in a fruit market, selling banana. I learned more about dealing with business people, uh, working, carrying banana boxes and doing the night shift. And I learned more playing rock and roll. I learned more about crowds and worship leading um, playing rock and roll at the night and day and other things. I learned more about ambition, about business, about spiritual warfare in those places. It's, 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 it's amazing um, what God is trying to teach you and none of it will be wasted. I, I want to promise you this. Nothing you're going through will be wasted because God is, is so economical with your life. He loves you so much. He's not a careless father. He's not, oops, I messed up. I didn't see that coming. He's perfect. He'll redeem everything. And you'll find that he he wants to redeem all parts of your life, even your growing up and your heritage and things of that nature, things that you've forgotten about. Um, he'll, he'll weave it all in. He's perfect. So, you know, my encouragement to you tonight is, is it easy to play on stage and wash someone's feet? Well, most of us who play on stage probably would rather wash someone's feet. Um, there's a, there's there's an amazing cost to um, playing on stage. Yeah, um, as my mum was on, uh, when we lived in an old cottage and I longed for someone better and warm, something better and warm, I felt God said to see what you can do with this little place first. So we upped our hospitality and we were blessed. Yeah. And this place is beautiful. And this, so the place looked great. It was always a warm welcome. No matter what food was in the house, the hospitality was high. So now mum and dad live in a nicer house than they did then. Hospitality is outrageous. He's trying to get character formed in us so that we can handle what comes next. There were times like on stage and about things that just would go wrong and it was not on me. And I was chatting to a friend of mine the other day who leads a church and I was like, and we haven't even launched yet, but I'm like, the weight of leading something is so much heavier than I thought it was going to be. And now I have more understanding for people in leadership. And I have more grace for people because, what did my friend say? Everything looks clear from the second chair. <laughs> Everyone can tell you what you should be doing when it's not their responsibility, right? <laughs> man. Oh, man. There's a load of people I want to go back and say, look, I'm really sorry. Right? I was probably a bit out of line when I said that. Anyway. So listen, what can you do today? To build an expectation of what God wants to do tomorrow. 
Assume that God's going to come through to you and he wants to bless you. What is it you need to do today and tomorrow? You know, I'm trying to teach Sam, my middle lad, about this. He's a ridiculous musician. He's, he's, a, he's a very gifted kid. They're all my kids are gifted. Sam's got particular, but Sam's got no framework yet. So Sam doesn't read music and he doesn't practice. He hasn't yet. He's learning to practice his scales. I said, Sam, those scales are going to sustain you because you've got to have some scaffolding and some structure to sustain what God wants to do. Somebody used to say, um, don't let the gift keep, don't let the gift take you where your character can't keep you. Because you'll see in the life of Paul, of, of Saul, you'll see that his gift took him somewhere, but his character couldn't keep him there. And then David was getting, a, his character was getting shaped. He was enduring betrayal. He was enduring family stuff. He was enduring um, being forgotten about, overlooked, ignored. He was enduring all of that. He was encouraging himself in the Lord is God so that by the time it came for him to step up into all that God had asked him to do, his character was that much stronger. You know, and as me and Claire, um, there's this, sometimes what happens is people say, when I get to this place, I'll somehow become different, but you won't. And national lottery winners will teach us this, is that the majority of national lottery winners who win millions um, end up in a moral state, in an immoral state, very shortly afterwards because the money doesn't fix who they are. It only magnifies the choices that they're making. And um, so... Don't be fooled into thinking that you, you, when you reach wherever it is you're trying to reach, all your problems will go away. <laughs> and, it, and it's easy for, sorry for so-and-so. Um, and so I want to encourage you, like, every decision matters. Your today matters. What you're doing with your time matters. The people you're hanging out with matter. Um, your investment Um in your character and the choices that you make and the things you allow. Um, honestly, yeah, there's that. We talked about it, I think it was last week. Put, well, put a pig in a pig, but I'll send it to a pigsty. Yeah, there's a proverb that says, four things the earth cannot bear. And, and then it lists them and it says, one, a maid who becomes a mistress and a servant, a prince, a pauper who becomes a prince. And the idea is basically you've got to have a mindset You've got to have a change of heart and attitude in order to grab hold of all the things that God's got for you to do. So I had to see that I was leading, I was the worship pastor at Life Church for about two and a half years. I thought I was just babysitting it for somebody more responsible. And God had to severely deal with me about, no, I've called you to do it and you are wasting time by not thinking of yourself correctly. I've got things I need to do through you. Right? Imagine. So. Thanks for coming out tonight. Well, being on the thing tonight. And so um, let me pray for you. We've got one minute, 32 seconds left. Know that God's got a blessing for you. Know that God's got more for you. Even in what all the craziness that's going on right now, <clears throat> this isn't the first pandemic. This isn't the first global crisis that God has um moved through so keep your hopes high okay let me pray for you let's pray god give us the courage to do something with what you've already given to us teach us how to make a great investment with our lives put smart wise and helpful people around me to help me out help me be courageous i trust you with what i have i want to make you happy in your strong name, I pray. Amen. All right, so that is Deep Dive Monday, Matthew 25. Be encouraged tonight. Uh, thanks for tuning in. And, um, yeah, Speed Church we're doing on Wednesday night. And uh, we're doing some e-groups, online groups, um, tomorrow night. 
than Thursday night. So listen, thanks for everybody for joining tonight and uh, I'm going to sign off now, but listen, have a great rest of the night. The best days are ahead of you.